Welcome back, Deckheads, to another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. Tonight's episode, we have an absolute jam-packed episode for you guys. We have the update on the three-on-three roster for Team USA going to Bratislava here in not too long. We've also got Nick Levesque phoning in from Montreal. He's going to dial us in on the tournament that they just played in, Coupe Deck 92. So we really appreciate Nick joining us. And then last but not least, we are going to have a long interview with Dan Caldwell. We're going to spread that out over two episodes. But uh, Dan is a longtime listener of the show. He's also a longtime player of five-on-five ball hockey, plays for Team Graphics. We had the privilege of interviewing him and getting his insights on the game and sort of where the direction of the game is going for the future of ball hockey in general. So one that I think we're all super excited for. So with that, you guys want to just dive into it? Absolutely. Dan, we got you. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, you're sort of one of the founding fathers of the NHL Network and sort of introduce yourself to our listeners. So what what, what happened was, um, you know, I, I, saw, I was actually at ESPN for nine years. Um, and I used to work on NHL Tonight at ESPN, um, you know, and, and work with the folks there. And uh, I left there in 2008 to help launch MLB Network. Um, and then four years ago, MLB Network took over all the NHL Network operations. And we moved the NHL Network studios into Secaucus, where the MLB Network was. And we just essentially started doing hockey programming. Found out about three months before the, you know, the puck drop of the the whatever 2015 season, I guess it was. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that that's kind of where it was. So the NHL network, I like to think that while we didn't create it, we kind of brought it out of the dark ages, put it that way. Brought it to the mainstream for sure. What I want to talk about is the masters in Bermuda. Cause you had mentioned that to me earlier and it sounds like a great environment. Uh, and we don't know a ton about masters. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, you know, this is my first year, you know, with the the uh, Masters program. Um, you know, so I, I'm I'm looking at it, you know, probably from a, a different perspective than than a lot of other people who are maybe veterans on our team. Um, you know, it's uh, it just sort of enjoying the process, but uh, it's it's been a little bit of an eye opening experience and the whole idea of, of team building and and I've always had different. I've always had a different perspective. I, I, I believe winning breeds chemistry, uh, not the other way around. I've, I've always just cling to that. I'm, I'm not a rah-rah guy. I don't love the speeches. I believe people should be self-motivated. And if you're not motivated by the time you step out in the rink, you know, I, I don't see how a coach telling you to run or, you know, back check is, is really going to help you. But, uh, you know, I've been proven wrong on some of this instances. And, and you know, we, we have our – our masters club team, there's two USA teams. And, um, you know, honestly, after our first camp, like I was a little skeptical about how we would do out there. We seemed like a bunch of players, you know, uh, not necessarily a team, but they got us together, you know, pretty much once a month for like 10 straight months. And what ended up happening is we kind of bonded, you know, and there is without us actually having, played in this tournament yet there's actual chemistry on the team like people genuinely like each other like i feel like you know not to sound corny because i hate sounding corny but like they feel like they're brothers right now you're going um, to war with your boys 
Yeah, you know, and like I, I'm, you know, I told my wife this the other day. Like the worst part about this whole experience of the, uh, you know, preparing to go to Bermuda and meeting all these new guys and and becoming a team with them is that it's gonna be over someday. You know, like that's like that, that's the one thing I dread when there's not another camp. You know, and I never thought I would I would go through it again because yeah, I, I have three kids in diapers right now. Um, but now, like, I look at it, I'm like, man, you know what? If I can go in, in 2020, and I'm definitely going to try. You know, it, it's, been pre- it's been pretty cool. So, I, listen, I don't know. We may go out there and lose every game by 10 goals. But I don't think so. Like, I think we're going to be a tough out, you know? Now, there's two USA teams. I'm on the club team. If you're, like, a certain tier of a country, I'm not exactly sure how that works. You're allowed to send two teams. So, you know, Canada has two teams. Slovakia has two teams. Um, the rest of them seem to have just one team. Um, the other USA team, uh, they're very good. Like, they're, they're gold medal contenders. And, and we play with and against those guys through local tournaments and leagues, you know, all the time. So I'm very familiar with them. Uh, they have a, a real good chance of taking home gold. Um, us, I think we're going to surprise some people out there. I really do. Um, and I think that... You know, the sum of our parts uh, is is better than I thought it would be, you know, and, and there's something to be said about a team that actually, like, plays for each other. And, you know, I, we'll see what happens when we get out there. It's, it's a different environment out there. It's an outdoor tournament. Um, I know we play a lot of outdoor tournaments, but in the world, you typically play indoors. It's a smaller rink. Um, you know, it's, it's right on the water. We're going to have to deal with a lot of sun. Uh, you know, it, it, when it rains, there's, very, there's not as much drainage on the rink from what I understand. So, it, you know, it could get a little, a little messy out there. So there's, there's the, the natural elements that you're just going to have to deal with. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's going to be a, just an interesting experience altogether. Um, but, man, I, I, you know, I look, we have our first game of the, you know, of the tournament. We, we, we start the tournament. We have our very first game against Austria on Tuesday night, September 25th. And, uh, you know what, like, I just, I can't, I just can't wait to get out there. I don't know how I'm going to feel. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Am I going to be nervous? Like, I, I don't think I'm the type. Um, then again, I've never played with USA on my jersey before. Oh yeah, and I, I yeah, and I think honestly, the worst thing that comes out of this is you get the experience of playing for Team USA. Like, if you yeah. lose every game, you can still come home and be like Team USA. I have the jersey. Yeah, and it, there's some validation in that. And like you know, I, I'm early on, the captain said, if you're here just for the validation, then you're here for the wrong reasons. And I, I believe in that too. Like, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, that's not what this is about, but. Does it exist in some form? You know, I, I mean, having, you know, I'm not the best tournament player by any means. Like, I'm probably the most average player you guys have, have ever had on. You know, I'm, I'm an A player, yeah, but, you know, I'm a role player. I'm third-line center for our club team, you know, and, and we're competitive. But, um, you know, I, I play my role. I'm, I'm veteran stability, and, you know, I can run a little bit. I can shoot a little bit. Um, you know, I, I try not to make, the you know, the mental mistakes and try to be you know, outsmart the opponent a little bit, but, um, you know, to, to get to this, like, yeah, it's in, if there's a, you know, a fringe benefit, like there is some sort of validation to, to getting to do that, you know, and, you know, at the twilight of my hockey career, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, 
you know, there was a, there was a point in time where like, I, I didn't know if I could do it. Like there's a lot of time away from the kids. Um, you know, like, but my wife was like, nah, you, you, you've got to, you got to see this through. Like you're always going to regret it if you don't play. That's awesome. It's good you to know? have that kind of support. Yeah. But so I'm thinking here, so we but, might be able to help. We can't. <laughs> what size shoe do you wear? <laughs> Me? I, I wear an 11. You wear an 11? All right. Let's ship yep. them a pair of shoes. We're going to figure that out for you. We've got your back. Yeah, we. Uh, there's a solution out here in Iowa, what we call rain shoes. And it's pretty much a Formula One tire melted to the bottom of your shoe. Wow. And in rain, it makes it... You're like Spider-Man. You can run off the boards if you want to. <laughs> Not even kidding. Are they like the galoshes that you just like slide over your sneakers? No, they're... Uh, it's, a, it's actually a tire-based rubber that gets molted and melted to the bottom of your shoes no they're amazing they're incredible it's you're not allowed on our team anymore so we have kind of a, a franchise system here with uh, our our local franchise uh that we then take into um tournaments, tournaments and, and things like that but you're you're not allowed on the team if you don't have rain shoes because if you have rain shoes and it's night and day the other team doesn't you're you're still playing in the dry it feels like you're playing in the dry weather I mean, there's no slip, there's no give, there's, you're just business as usual and the other team's sliding all around. They have to be conservative. And yeah. Honestly, we'll, we'll oh, send yeah. you a pair of shoes. Yeah. No joke. Email the, uh, email yeah, the address. Do. We'll, that sounds awesome. Yeah. We'll get you a pair of shoes. Email the, uh, send us an email, email with your address and we'll get those over to you. Awesome. But so Thanks, rep, guys. representing <laughs> team USA and Bermuda coming up, but diving back into your history, I know you don't come from a specific hockey background. Uh, like some people might assume if you're playing at a high level, what kind of got you into the sport and how did it all kick off and what got you addicted in the first place? So, you know, the whole, I, I think my story as is a, a little different in, in one aspect is that I, you know, I never played ice. I never played roller. No, none of my, like I have two brothers. Neither one of them were in the sports. My dad, he wasn't in the sports. So I, I was a sort of a, you know, like just a little bit of an aberration, you know, as far as interest in the family. And, you know, I would just kind of play everything and whether it be football or basketball. And then, you know, when we were young, we just, you know, we started playing street hockey and you got the, you know, the, the pipe netting and your, your, you know, in the street, it's kind of like all, you know, all the pictures that you see that, you know, the kids in the street, you move the net when the cars come. <laughs> it's Wayne's the world. Wayne's world. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was it, it, absolutely like Wayne's world. You know, still, it, you remember the movie Clerks? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, when they're playing hockey on the roof, it's still one of my favorite teams. Um, yeah, that that was that was how I, I started playing, or I, how I got introduced into hockey. And, and I was just playing with the neighborhood kids there, with you know one net, and you had to take the ball back behind the line before you could switch from offense to defense. Um, you know, and, and that was it. And you know, it was just kind of one of the sports that I played. And and one day I was like 13 or 14 years old. I was at like a, a YMCA community swimming pool. You know, I was there with like my mom and my brother. And uh, yeah, I just kind of popped out and like looked down at the end of the parking lot, and there was like an actual hockey rink, and it was an outdoor rink with boards and lights and a scoreboard and like refs and people were playing a real league. Now, God, this is like this is like 1991. So uh, I don't want to date myself too much, but you can do the math there. So this was a long time ago. Um, but I saw this and I, I just, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, what is, this exists? So, you know, I kind of just meandered my way down and, and I saw people playing and they're playing competitive and hard. And, 
God, I, you know, it just, I just had to, you, you had to be involved. So, you know, I ended up just calling the YMCA and, and, you know, getting the name of the guy who runs the league. And I, you know, gathered my neighborhood friends and, you know, we put a team together in the freshman division and, mm-hmm. um, got, uh, we ended up actually winning that first season. And, you know, I, I we, I've had some success plans. We've got some trophies in the, you know, in the closet and, you know, I have this a trophy that's about six inches tall, um, you know, it's uh, from 1992, you know, YMCA freshman division in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And, and to this day, that trophy means the most to me because that, that really was like, uh, that was the start there. And, and I, I was so bad. I was just so bad. I, I honestly didn't really know how to play. I was, it was like a four and four league deck hockey outside center line uh, offsides. Um, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? As soon as I got the ball, I just whacked it away. You know, you still see people do that now. Like, I didn't have a sense for the game, and um, you know, I would just watch other people play, and, and I was watching, you know, some higher divisions, and people were good. They were stick handling around, and you, know, you just go to bed and you just start dreaming about what it'd be like to actually have like hands, you know. Um, and so I, I just kept at it. I just kept putting teams in, and and eventually, like you know, another rink opened up that was five on five, and more teams were involved, and it really started to grow in our area. Um, and I, I just ended up kind of just developing, but I never, I never really thought I was good. Eventually, you know, I'm fairly athletic. So, you know, the more you do things, I figure as an athlete, if you, you know, dedicate so much time to playing one sport, you're going to improve, but I never really thought I was good. Um, and then, you know, occasionally some people would be like, yeah, you know, you, you know, you start climbing the score sheets and, um, you know, you just start making some plays and you start to feel good about yourself. But honestly, there was so much talent in that area um, that it was just kind of humbling. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you really knew your place. Uh, it wasn't actually until I moved out of that, like South, you know, Eastern Pennsylvania area, the Valley Forge area and moved up to Connecticut where it kind of dawned on me like, Oh, I'm actually better than I thought I was. Cause all, I, I just got out of a hotbed of talent and was put into like a little bit more of a, a normal level talent. And I, I was able to do things um, that surprised a lot of people. And, and I think that's kind of, you know, when I was like 21 and I moved out and I was in a new area and, you know, I was playing against people who didn't really know me when I was terrible and see me develop. They just see me now. And You've always that's been when good, right? really things start, started to click. Yeah. Well, it's something we talk about a lot here is that, you know, it takes the the skating element out, which is something that I personally have been learning since, you know, I can remember. Uh, but with, I guess, the adoption of ball hockey around here, you see a lot of guys that just come from an athletic background that really pick it up quick. And if you're a person that understands sports well, and you're a person that understands space and a team environment, and you have that competitive drive, the stick skills will come. And you can really overcome that gap pretty quickly. No, and I, yeah, um, you know, I, a lot of it is, you know, uh, we're all hockey fans. We're all watching NHL games. You know what I mean? We're all seeing the highlight reels, and and you just adopt moves that you see on TV or you see other people other people doing. And and you're right, like you put the time in, and 
and you're going to start picking up these skills. You're going to start feeling comfortable with the ball on your stick. And, and you know, what, what makes, you know, one of the things that really separates um, the average players from the good players is the comfort with the ball on your stick, the, the not panicking, to have it just Confidence. comfortably rest there and to be able to play with your head up. You know, I, I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier, and, and you had mentioned, um, you know, one of the differences in the, in the level of players is, is the guys who are playing well with their head down versus the guys who are playing well with their head up. That When you play well with your head up, that's that next tier. That's when you, you have vision to go along with your skills. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that, that sort of changes the dynamic of the type of player you are. Absolutely. <laughs> but so that being said, how did you come across our podcast in general? And, and I know you said you've been listening to a couple of episodes and things like that, but how do we end up with Dan Caldwell, coordinating producer of the NHL Network, on Deck Hockey Focus as a listener? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because I, I was seeing – you know, Corey had, had sent out a few posts about, you know, the gods are going to Iowa. I mean, I didn't know they played ball hockey in Iowa. Uh, I think, you know, that it's fair to say a lot of people, you know, out east uh, didn't know you had this. So, uh, of course, I'm, I'm interested. So we dabble. You know, I go, uh, you know, yeah, I go, <laughs> I look online and and all of a sudden I see the games, you know, they're streaming and uh, I, I was just. I was just fascinated. The three on three game. Yeah. I played some three on three, but it's not like what you guys do. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'd love to talk about the differences between three on three and five on five. Cause what, what I'm seeing is, you know, there's definitely some similarities, but uh, the differences are, you know, are pretty stark too. But so I started watching that and I was just amazed at how good these players were, how, you know, three on three was, was a specific style of ball hockey that, um, you know, they, they were playing. I just hadn't seen that. And uh, then I saw Corey do a post game with you guys, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys had an interview and he started, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, what the gods do. And, and, you know, by just doing that, just out of natural curiosity, I, you know, started digging in a little more and, and just, you know, kind of, you know, checking out one of your podcasts here and there. And uh, then, you know, you know, Corey had, uh, you know, suggested that, you know, it would be a, you know, it'd be cool that maybe we kind of, you know, talk a little bit about the sport, uh, you know, and sort of how I got sort of playing, uh, you know, with what you guys are doing out there. So that's really, you know, I thank Corey Hirsch for that. He, he's the one who kind of uh, connected us. Um, but it was really that, that three-on-three tournament that you guys had in July uh, that sort of like opened my eyes to what you guys are doing out there, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, we've got our own little oasis, that's for sure. But uh, best weekend of the summer. Yeah, as far as we're concerned around here, it's, that's vacation uh, for us. We take weeks off. Like that's a vacation week for us. Now we love it, but <laughs> I think I think the the main uh, difference between the fives and the threes, and I think that they have a lot to learn from each other, uh, because I, I've always been taught that the game is a segment of threes. Uh, not to get into the X's and O's too much, but really you've always got your, you, you've got your carry option and then you've got your left and your right and your shot. And those are your three options. And, you know, even when you're looking at a cycle, you've yes. got your guy in front of the net, you've got your guy carrying the puck and then you've got your relief. And yep. that's, that's what the three on three game is distilled version of that. And I think the, the cool thing about fives is that it works in, 
the the typical fives that you see from hockey and and you get a lot more space and a lot more to work with and and it really makes for a very very interesting game no uh, absolutely and i think that's uh what we might see happen this weekend with the burrows cup with Corey and the pittsburgh gods marrying up with pat and nick on that three-on-three game and you know pittsburgh obviously once they adjusted this summer they figured it out and they were they're awesome. Oh, they picked it up. You could tell there was a bit of a learning curve with them, but they're so hockey literate that the learning curve was it was minute. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, now, those guys are very skilled. So, and now bringing Pat and Nick on board with them, like that education process, I want to. It's just going to accelerate, and I think Pittsburgh's going to do some good things here in the Burroughs Cup. Well, you know, I, I hope so. Um, you know, it, it's it's nice to see. You know, first of all, like. Uh, the gods are one of the more intelligent teams that, that you're going to, you know, face in the tournament circuit. Um, you know, they've, um, you know, they've had just so much success and, and a lot of it comes from, you know, Corey's coaching and the ability of those players to, to buy into the system, um, you know, and to buy into the program and, and, you know, how he wants them to play. It's, you know, they have everybody on board with, um, you know, with that style of play and, and with that mentality and, that uh, has served them well. And, you know, I know that, um, you know, they had a little bit of trouble adjusting to the three-on-three Saturday, but, you know, watching their semifinal on Sunday, it, it seemed like they were right in the mix there against the deckheads. Exactly. No, they uh, they adjusted well. And one of the things I remember, like, distinctly about the tournament is I was I was in one corner watching it, and then I had to go back to our little tent set up to do something else, like get prepared for our game or – one of our other teams game mm-hmm. and as I'm walking past the bench, uh, it was intermission and Corey, like, I think he just cleared the board. I don't know how he got there, but he just ended up six feet away. <laughs> I jumped it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I, I distinctly remember he's like, all right, boys, I'm not going to tell you, you started to figure it out. You have a lot to figure out, but you just figured it out. So go do it better. And it was like everybody was just zeroed in and dialed into that conversation. And that's all he had to say. Like that was the – because it's only one-minute intermission. He had 15 seconds. That's all he said. And those guys, I think they came out and scored a goal on their first shift. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Everybody's just like, yep, got it. Let's go. And then just water break, out. It was, uh, it was impressive. <laughs> you know, one other thing I noticed, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but – uh, and I'm not sure how much five and uh, five on five you guys have watched, um, you know, since uh, since that tournament. But man, you guys post up a lot. I noticed uh, there's a lot of back to the net like with the defender out right a bit. on top of you. Oh yeah, no, it it, it boils down to only having three players out there. So that guy that you know, call it your off wing, your center slash right wing if you're on the left side because they have to play two roles they've got to create space yeah and you've got to go uh you got to go make it it's the only way it works you know, yeah it's um you know I, it, the physicality when you know one person has the ball they're shielding it from the other person trying to set up a play um you know the defender's just pounding on your back oh yeah you know it's uh and there's there's not much to go if if you're lucky you can kind of set them up and and feel them and then try to curl off them to get a shot uh but also you know the blocking of the shots by the defenders is you know it's a, a huge strategy in your game i mean it's a strategy in all hockey but um considering the size of the rink if you have guys who are willing to actually like block shots you know 
smartly, um, you know, they're going to take up that shooting lane. It's hard to get shots through to the net. Oh, yeah. No, and, like, we actually recruit players kind of based on it, too. There's some guys that they specialize in it. If they're not going to go out. They're not going to get assists. They're not going to score goals. But they're going to be your second goalie. And they play a very strategic role. And there are there are guys here in Iowa that that's what they do. And that's their job. Well, limiting shots is so huge in uh, the three-on-three game just because the shots are so plentiful because the deck is so short. So, I mean – when you the way that the way that I think about it is imagine the blue line is now your center line. So the second you're across the center line in three on three, I mean that you game. could snipe from there no problem. And uh, sure, I mean really all the the number one thing and, and you see it with power plays. I think that's the number one difference between five and three is the way that a power play is structured. Is in three on three the number one thing that we're trying to do is isolate, isolate a backdoor player. Think Alexander Ovechkin. Think Steve Stamkos from yeah. that that weak side dot for the one-timer to the backdoor. That is mm-hmm. the three-on-three. Three. That is the play. That's how you score goals. That's how you draw it up. And I'm sure there's an element of that in five-on-five, five, but in five-on-five, five, we see guys screening the goalie. Yeah. And there's none of that in three-on-three. Three. In the successful mm. Like the higher levels, so you don't do that. The lower levels will do that because they, they've they seen that in five-on-five. Five, but yeah, three-on-three, three, there's no screen at the goalie. It's all about pass, 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 pass. It's about creating the opportunity. Maybe you get that short side yeah, and goal. And using the whole rink. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the amount of times I saw them just reset the play and send it back down their own end, um, you know, it, it was – uh, it's clear they were comfortable doing it when, you know, five on five, you, you wouldn't really think about that. I, at first, when I, when I first watched it, I, I thought, you know, endurance be the biggest difference. It, it's not, you know, it's, um, you know, you're, you're running just as much on the three on three as the, as the five on five. It's just, you know, the length that you're running is just different, but you, you factor in the amount of running you do on three on three with the physicality of it. And I think the physicality in five on five is the, is the same as it is on three on three. It's not like they're playing harder or more physical. The space is just tighter, you know. It, Less instances of it. Yeah. Maybe. You know, it's um. You have more. You, you can avoid contact more in the five on five larger ranks. And it's just unavoidable. Um, and you saw it like a, you know Pittsburgh had a, a smaller team than you know, the deckheads or, you know, I don't even know what they fed this Louisiana team. They, these guys were just <laughs> massive, you know, um, a lot you know, of it, routine that, from Quebec. That, you know, yeah. That, that, I guess they're all just actually, you know, putting hot sauce on a lot of everything. I don't know if that <laughs> there's some sort of secret sauce there, but these guys were, these guys were huge. That, that contact is, is draining. And, you know, the five on five game is, yeah, it's, it's a lot more, um, you know, it's just it's just a lot more open and and having the you know the the red line, the blue line, um, you know, we play floating blue line in most of the tournaments here. Um, you know, you you actually have to work within the neutral zone. Um, you know, so I, I did. I think you you see a little more stick handling in the five on five on the rushes because you don't have the rush. You know, in numbers that you do. Um, you know, at least from what it seemed like on the. Uh, on the three on three, um, you know, but, uh, you know, honestly guys, good is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like good players are good players. They're going to be able to adapt, you know, given time to either sport. No, 
it's it's about a I'll call it an intelligence level or an adaptability to the game and being able to actually do it. And if you know how to do it, you can do it on five on five. You can do it on three on three. Hockey IQ, absolutely. And it's just going to take a you know maybe a like a quick in Pittsburgh's case two games to adjust. And right. then they figured it out. Comfortable but, with your space, comfortable yep. with, with what you can get away with. The different scenarios we're talking about, you know, you might have more space on five on five versus three on three. And then just, okay, I don't have that extra second now. So being able to do that, like, I honestly, like, my goal, like, and this is just me spitballing here, maybe going a little off topic, is just seeing that marrying or that partnership between the East Coast and the Midwest, between five on five and three on three, and mm-hmm. see what we can do there. I, I think a lot of good things will happen. Well, time will tell what holds for the entire game of ball hockey, whether it be threes or fives. But stay tuned for our next episode where we'll have part two of our interview with Dan Caldwell from the NHL Network. All right, with September right around the corner, we want to do a circle back and revisit uh, Team USA. Three on three, that's going out to Bratislava this November. If you recall, a couple months ago, we sat down with Marty Philly on general manager and ran through his top 30. His preliminary picks. So at right. this point, after Waterloo Tournament and the Summer Tournament, he's kind of pared that down to 16 with two additional ads. Which we had kind of alluded to. We thought they might have some ads there based on Summer Tournament play. So is that where that's coming from, do you think? That's 100% where that's coming yeah. from. Yeah, uh, Just some standout players. Uh, both of these guys were in Waterloo and in the Summer Tournament. But I think how they played in the Summer Tournament really kind of put him over the edge there and got to yes. So let's run top to bottom. Yeah. All right. Well, starting off at the top here from Waterloo, Iowa, we have uh, Austin Jackson. Austin actually plays ice in the fall at UW Stout in CAA D3. So he's a good player. Uh, we played against against him a couple times. And outside of he's a good player, I can't say what all, anything else other than he's actually really good. I know Marty's been working with him and his coach up at UW to figure out how they're going to get him out there, but I think it actually coincidentally falls at break time. All right. So that's going to be really nice for him. So there's a there's an element to all of these names that's going to be a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill. A little bit, and I think uh, next name here, uh, Tyler Manicky, uh, Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, another guy that uh, really had, I would say, banger of a summer tournament. He was playing on the Waterloo Assassins slash right. Springfield, which... They were a powerhouse. Way more than we had thought they were going to do coming in. They uh, they turned out to be a really good team, and he was a huge part of that. So I think that's that got a little nod there. Uh, next two names on the list here, I don't think there's a lot of surprise. Nick and Pat. Obviously. Maybe. I mean, it is obvious, but it's, it's the core of the team. So, I mean, obviously they're going to end up going, but they put up points. Yeah. I mean, that's probably your biggest threat going in. If I'm... Another team looking at this roster, you know they're showing up. So that's early who you have to plan for to beat the deckheads, I think, is is both of Vax. Well, and yeah. if you remember the last World Cup. Nick, number one scorer. Nick was the number one scorer without even making the – like, they didn't even go to the finals. Yeah. That's he's crazy. only getting better. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, coming along with him from Chicago. The QC Storm's most recent pick. Signee. Scully. John Scully. Obviously, we've talked about Scully a number of times here, even dating back to the Frankenstein episode last year. And Scully's just a banger of a player. He's gritty as hell. Like, what can't he do? Scully is a grinder. He's a really, really strong guy. And I think you can put him on any line 
and he's going to be able to compensate for even if you were to put me on the line. <laughs> I think they'll be fine there. But look for him to put up a lot of points. And then another local guy, I guess, kind semi-local of. Palmer boy, but Leibinger, who Adam. in the summer tournament he was, was dishing it out. I, I don't see in the summer tournament. If you look back at the video of the summer tournament, what does he have going into the final game? It's like one goal and like 13 or 14 assists, something like that. It was him and his brother like just dishing the entire time. Just like, feeding people. Yeah, it was nasty. I think it's note uh, his brother's not on this list only because he is playing pro and he's actually going to be in Rapid City playing Get hockey. your priorities straight. I agree. <laughs> Ditch that and come and Do represent that. your country. Absolutely. But speaking of representing the country here, we're leaving Iowa and Illinois. We're going way outside the Quad Cities, out to Boston. So the Boston boys from the last team, Bobby Hauser, Corey Wilson, definitely on that short list. I believe, can't remember which one. Is, is it Hauser that's up in Quebec with them now? Or is it Corey Wilson? It is Corey Wilson. He's up there with the Deckheads right now, playing at, at the tournament with the Deckheads. So maybe that's a sign that that they're taking him for sure maybe too early to call but i think he's probably going to be a really strong ad definitely putting up some points this weekend so so look for him uh, played uh, and on that Bobby top line with Nikki mm. last or last tournament in Montreal and if you're going to if you're going to lead in scoring you need somebody to help you out so hopefully they are going to keep their chemistry going there bringing it back home Womack? I love Womack. yeah i do <laughs> Womack's just that turn it up kind of player, if that makes sense. You're not going to think a lot like watching a player screw around when it doesn't really matter, but when it comes down in time to play, he's gonna he's gonna come and play. He's a he's another kind of board. He just board mixes, guy. yeah. He mixes up with anybody. He, he gets in there. He's in the dirty areas, and he's strong in there. Penalty yeah. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> he, we know what that translates to. We'll say he has an active stick. <laughs> But he has a role to play. Blocks yeah, a lot of shots. Exactly. Blocks a ton yeah. of shots. He has a role to play. He knows what it is. And he Saw goes, at he, he gets it done. Anybody want to take this next one? I'm Best be hands. Yeah. Best hands on the list by far in Danny Cahooey. Deck Jesus. Absolutely. That guy's, he's a magician. There's not much else to His say His vision is incredible too. Just in the few times that I've seen him play, some of the passes that he pulls, he's feeding them through ridiculous gaps and things like that and just the tightest little areas and he just threads the needle and it's it's very very impressive to watch i mean he's somebody that that really really stands out there's that's something you just can't teach yeah he, i feel like he's born with that mm-hmm. absolutely and coming back uh circling back to a different style player more like womack uh two local boys here uh davenport iowa nick swisher and moline illinois uh bobby cassette well, Swish, Bobby, and Womack were sort of that grind line. Yeah, they're the and line I, My personal opinion here, I think of the three, Swish had the strongest tournament. Oh, he came, he came to play. He yeah, absolutely. he really has a tournament gear that a lot of people don't have. Even some of the top players that might be more skilled. Swisher's the kind of guy that can find the next level. So I really hope to see him on this roster. I, he was sort of in my gray area when we first did this. Mm-hmm. And I think after the summer tournament, he it clarified it for me too. Yep. Like for me, it's a, it's a no brainer, but keeping it, uh, keeping it local here. Perry, Perry, <laughs> Perry Jacobs kind of taking it home. Perry, that solid D man. Um, you know, he's got that. We talk about that, the shot and the snipe that he can bring, but he's solid defensive player. 
And then kind of piggybacking on that there, Charlie Gerace, in my opinion, Charlie Gerace is the best defensive player at in, that In the last year, Charlie Gerace, who was already a good player, has now become a force to be reckoned with. He is big and strong. He's got a quick shot. And he's he's just a pure hockey but he's a pure hockey player. Yeah. There's no other way for me to state that. He's definitely more of a he plays that defensive game and he's the best at it that we have locally he here. Court, he like and his he maybe even abilities. he may be overshadowed by his two line mates on crew, which are Stone and Kramer. Yeah. But I think that it needs to not be that way because he quarterbacks that line so well. He gets them when they're going into the correct spaces, but he has the ball on his stick to make the eventual goal that seems to happen every time they're out there. He makes Stone and Kramer good. Oh, absolutely. But he's at. he's very aggressive style of play, too, when he does have the ball. But it's not a panicked aggression. He's Never. very patient with it. Yes. So he'll, he'll a have a aggression. lot of possession time, and he'll cover a ton of ground and make things happen. So he's a guy that when he starts on a rush, you can really – get the cycle going or get some crossing routes and find those soft areas and stuff. And he'll find you. So I think he's, I don't want to say a shoe in by any means, but he's a strong, strong pick. I think. Yeah. So I think now going back to goalies here, here's our absolute no brainer of this list. (laughs) Freiberger. Freiberger in the last year. I mean, I don't know if there's been a more dominant player in deck. No, he has been so good. So good. The summer tournament, his team got, they get last. Shot. They get last place, and then you would, they did. And then you would see Freiberger play, and you'd be like, "How out of his How? mind play in the summer tournament?" Unreal. Seriously, some of the saves he was making were out of this world. Yeah, I mean, we talked to Corey about it just offline conversation. He's like, "I need to talk to that kid. I, he needs to get more exposure." It's apparent. Well, and it's come with <laughs> age. I think. I think it's been a big year for him, and it's just one year of higher level experience has really brought him from a boy to a man. And I think he's only trending upwards and, and quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if we see someone else with the pads on a net, I think it might be because something happens. Like, (laughs) I mean, barring an anomaly, I would, I would think Freiburger's the shoe in for sure. And I think uh, we're going to call obviously the general manager here, Marty Fillion on the roster to date, but that was at the recommendation of others, but I'm going to call him a swing player. Yeah. Backup goalie, but also play some solid D blocks a million shots and has a rocket of a shot. So I, you know, he can fill a role, whatever that may be. And extremely experienced. Yeah. A former, you know, UMass Lowell playing in the frozen four, uh, former pro player then coming in. So not only the leadership abilities, but to be able to, you know, kind of move between different positions if needed. But so we touted the ads, the two players that were added to the list based on their performance, uh, whether it maybe be in the summer tournament or as we've seen this fall season, putting up a gross amount of points. Yeah. Going to Springfield right now, Chris Harris. You know, we I first saw Chris and Waterloo playing with Springfield Nordiques and uh-huh. that he was their standout player. Jack Healy is a great player, uh, great leader on that team. But Chris is a big boy. He plays an aggressive style, kind of like Charlie Gerace, but also has more of that offensive touch. And he's strong, he's big, he drives to the net, and he produces and scores goals. And then again this summer, he turned around and did the exact same thing in D1 instead of in D2 this time. Yeah. And, you know, just he was a no-brainer. When talking with Marty, he's like, yeah, we we have to shortlist him. It's got to be done. But last but not least, Joe Dare. Super like this pick. I really do. I do. 
he has been playing some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play. And that includes the years that I've, I've seen him put up 70 points in multiple seasons. And he looks like that Joe Dare again. He is, every ball is perfect. And every, every shot is far down. <laughs> it's, it, it's unreal watching him play and being on his line. I have reaped some benefits. <laughs> well, and he's got, he's got endurance for days oh and he plays on five teams. this Yeah. Year. And he's not afraid of, of anything or anyone. And he's a grinder. I mean, he'll do what it takes to win. He's the block every shot. Doesn't I was matter say, what part of my body it is. Yep, block he'll, the he'll shot. leave bruised and bloodied without a tooth, but he wants to win. Yeah, and he, he has no problem scoring lead, 15 goals in a game. Yeah, he's he's a got lead. a brace on every joint on his body, and he's still out there. <laughs> he's a leave-it-all-out-there kind of player, but more defensive-minded. But he definitely has that scoring touch and wants to play forward. He'll make that break oh, all yeah. day. So with that, you know, we're about, I'm going to say, 45 days away from the... 45, 60 days away from the start of the three-on-three championship over in Bratislava. Do we know when they have to have the roster locked in by? Um, honestly, I do, but I cannot recall off the top of my head. I think it's 30 days prior to the tournament, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. But, you know, we're getting uh, very close here, so, I, you know, stay tuned for, for yeah. some future announcements. But it is one, we'll some updates one heck of a list of names. And if the summer tournament was an indicator of anything, it's that, you know, whether – Obviously, there's room for improvement in any team, but I think we're right where we want to be or maybe even a step ahead of where we thought we would be or what we were capable of. So I'm optimistic. Hopefully, that's not a bad idea, but I think that we're going to make a pretty darn good showing when this tournament finally does come around. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Deckheads, we've got Nick Levesque on the phone. They just wrapped up a tournament up in Montreal. Uh, Maybe not the best result that we could have hoped for, but still a lot of positives that we can take away from it. Uh, Nick, can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. Fantastic. Well, run us through the tournament. And I know it was structured a little bit differently than how ours was with uh, maybe some of the things with the face-offs and the way that it was actually structured. It was just a one-day tournament. So tell yeah. tell everybody what that how that kind of differentiates from what they saw in the summer tournament here in the QC. Yeah, I think it's completely different. Like, and talking with all the guys and stuff, I think like like us back home, like you you have your schedule, you play maybe two games a day max, or even one Friday night, and you can like so you have a bad game or stuff, you want to adjust stuff. I think it's fun to like have that that time to all right, boys, let's have a meeting, let's regroup. What should, what can we do better? All right, let's go to sleep, let's get back tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like you set it up every day, so it's like a three day thing, or even four days. Sorry, because we play Thursday night too, so it's like a it's more of a cool special event, I think. And here being in one day is really like you play bang, 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 back to back. So it's seven, really up to seven games back to back. Like, so we had, like I was telling you, we had a game at three. We got them playing at 3.35, say, and we had another game right at, at four. So you don't even take your gear off and you play right again after. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's fun. It's a different different style. And, like, you talk about no face-offs. Like, you get scored on or you get a power uh, penalty, you start right away with the ball. It's like the goalie's got to be ready. There's no face-off. So, like, I think face-off is a big, big aspect of the game where if you win your face-off, you get possession. Right, so there's no well, set plays. Basically, they have a trapezoid behind the net, and that's where every time there's a stoppage, the possession goes directly behind the net, and then you play it out from there. I think Just you have behind like the goal seconds. line. You only yeah. have to be behind the goal line. Okay. And then you got three seconds to get out of the goal line. So there's almost no downtime. So how long were the periods? 2.12, but the time never stopped. You score a goal, the clock runs, there's a penalty, clock runs, so it's 24 minutes straight on. 
never stoppage of time. So a super, super condensed tournament with some of the players that are being looked at for Team USA, yourself, Pat, Freiberger, uh, Scully. What were some of the lines looking like? How were people maybe adjusting to each other? Was there any any good positive takeaways that we can get? Yeah, we had a like a rough. I mean, our first game it was we lost by one goal, three two game. We could have won it. Could have been both ways, but we did. Like I was telling you, we had like a a solid top six of like six D one plus level guys that were easily that level, and then we kind of had to struggle to get our last three guys because couple of stuff that happened behind the scenes and stuff so we kind of scramble to get the last three guys so the first two games we kind of try to stack our top two lines with all offense and just like those six guys and have a third line of just like don't get scored on so that was the first game three two and then the second game we just got smoked we just didn't show up at all didn't play then we kind of had a little team meeting after the second game and we switched everything up and we we actually had a guy got hurt or sick or whatever and he stopped playing and then we did five fours in 3d and we're just rolling and then we tied a game against the team that's in the finals right now that could potentially win it so we tied that game oh, wow. then we won the other game and then we lost seven five to the other team that's in the finals so all right so all around from from our game one to game four and five i mean there was a huge difference that was fun to see and like having freiburger get a taste that up here at that level and stuff. Yes, he's going to Slovakia soon, so it was a good experience for him, and he he played awesome. I mean, he did great. And like you said, Scully was here, Patty, me, and then Corey Wilson, from a couple of you guys probably remember him from the 2016 World Cup, so he did pretty good. He scored a few goals like he always does. So, I mean, it was, it was fun to get those boys together and get a little tournament in. Oh, that's fantastic. So you were mentioning uh... – that there's another tournament coming up and you have actually been in contact with some of the people out from Pittsburgh, uh, with the Pittsburgh gods. Uh, so tell everybody what's, what's going to happen or at least potentially going to happen. So, yeah, so there's two, so like there's two different organizations here, like kind of working against each other. Unfortunately, it's kind of sad for the sport here. They kind of just trying to kill the other tournament. Right. So today we were at one, and now next Saturday is the other organization, which is going to be like a way bigger tournament, like double the teams, whatever. So it's going to be way bigger. It's going to be on live TV and all that stuff. So for context, Saturday, for context, how big was this tournament this weekend compared to our summer tournament as far as number of teams and, like we're and the talking environment? About, I don't think it was even comparable. Like we're talking with like Kasrai has been to both, Kali has been to both, Yannick has been to both. And I mean, the atmosphere has not even come close to what we had in Iowa. That was a kind of the cool thing we took out of it. Like coming here, we're expecting like like last year when we did that tournament, it was just crazy big. Like 350 teams, 12 rings. Like it was just unreal. Like people everywhere. Like you couldn't even walk. And then this year, with the the split up of the two tournaments, it's, it's unfortunate. Like I said, but it was not even comparable to our tournament in Iowa. I mean, like the atmosphere was kind of down, and it was just kind of like a, it felt just like playing season games. Well, that's too bad to hear. But so for for next next weekend, this upcoming tournament, uh, you've linked up with some of the guys from the Pittsburgh Gods, and you're thinking about potentially making an appearance there. So uh, run us through how that kind of went down, or what what we can expect. So yeah, like our group guys, obviously with Yannick that comes every summer and stuff, we want to play together. But he he obviously he's in Quebec all year, and we're up in the states. So he plays with the Red Light, which is like one of the top teams here. They won a lot of tournaments and stuff. They're one of the highest ranked team in the world. 
so he's on that team. So obviously he can't just like play all summer with that team, and then the very last tour maybe like, all right, well, absolutely, you guys, I'm going to play with, I'm going to play with that, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just like a just a principal thing. So we're like, we're debating should we make a team for that one? Then we got in the Corey, so the Corey, the Pittsburgh God kind of manager coach, yeah, Corey and also Hirsch. the uh, Team USA five on five coach there too. So he reached. We've been talking since the since the Iowa tournament, Quasi National tournament. So, and he just reached out to us, hey, I have two rooms for you guys, you and Pat, if you want to join and play with the with us and stuff. And I think it's it will be a cool experience. You know, we play against them in Iowa, and then we can like join force a little bit and a little tournament and then kind of show because they're from five on five too so he's like it would be nice for you guys to play with us and we can learn more about the three on three game right so that's kind of his his idea there too so yeah he's real big on expanding the games it's a good team to link up with there uh but so any any closing remarks anything are you longing back for the quad cities uh we'll be back in a week like i said next saturday We'll be back, and we're excited to be back already. I said, like, playing today, you know. I mean, the atmosphere is just different. And it, like I was telling the boys, I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of sad at the part. Obviously not the outcome you wanted, but it was kind of cool to see that, wow, like, our, we're playing deck in Iowa, and it's, it's legit. I mean, like, it's the real deal up there. And even talking with the LeBlanc and Bedard, and they were all suits. They were, like, literally, like, we're bringing a bus next year. We're bringing a a D1 team again, we're bringing a D2 team, and we're bringing a D3 team all together in a bus. It's like, all right. It was just a great experience. I mean, it's just cool to see now that we're still young, we're still starting in the States, but to see that now we're we're bigger, as big, or like even on a higher margin than these Quebec tournaments that have been going on for so long, and they have so many players to, to choose from. So it's just really, really cool to see that. It's really like positive all the boys respect that's crazy that we have that in iowa absolutely well we'll wrap it up here but we do appreciate you guys going up there and representing the quad cities representing the deckheads representing team usa for lack of a better term uh but we you know we appreciate that everything that you guys do to grow the game and to help us back here and uh can't wait to have you guys back in the quad cities drive safe for sure we'll be back all right thanks thanks nick All right, Deckheads, that wraps it up for another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. I hope you guys liked us going off the beaten trail. We're trying to bring you guys a little bit of a new style show. We'll be back to maybe some more local stuff here coming up, but we're trying to expand the game for you, so I hope it's appreciated. But on tonight's episode, Shackelford, do you learn anything? I learned that deck or ball hockey's all over the country, and we're just a small little part of it. And uh, I think a little more time, a little more growth, we're, we're going to do some good things here. Holst, what's a big takeaway for you? I learned today that Pittsburgh and the Quad Cities are making a dynasty. Amazing. I think on tonight's episode, I learned that the QC tournament is the best tournament in the entire world. Fair. All right, right. Deckheads. (laughs) That wraps it up for another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. We'll see you guys next time. Get out there and score some goals. See you guys.